Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Ninety-nine-three WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Tuesday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen, going up until eight o'clock, seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten, and also one eight hundred WBT eleven ten. And guys, make sure you follow me on X slash Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest and breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. So there's a lot we're going to get into tonight. Uh, some of it revolves the election. As a matter of fact, the first half of the show is going to be about the elections. Coming up in a little bit, I've got a, an exclusive one-on-one interview with Lenore Ship. Lenore Ship is currently on the CMS school board, and she is the only incumbent deciding to run for re-election. Elise Stashu, the school board chair, as well as Jennifer De La Hara, um, and that large candidate, it is very, very unlikely either one of them would have been able to get reelected. Extremely unlikely. The disdain for those two individuals by the general public is immense. And you saw that five new school, school board members got elected in last year. And you're going to have at least two this particular year and maybe three if Lenora Ship cannot uh, maintain her seat. And so I've got an interview with her about that coming up in a minute. But I want to start tonight off with something that the Charlotte Ledger had yesterday morning. The Charlotte Ledger and Tony Messia and the people over there do some really good work. And they had something that I don't know how many people saw because they put it in their notes section. And I wish they would have put this in the big story and put out the tweets and the links to it and everything else. But it's basically this. It says this. Fact-checking claim of, quote, running airports, end quote. That's the little subhead title. Democratic City Council candidate Stephanie Hand, who is running in the South Charlotte to unseat Tark Bakari, the Republican, has been touting her executive experience in the airline industry in public forums and in materials for voters. Our, a handout given to voters at the polls by Hand says she's, quote, one of the youngest female general managers in the U.S. airport industry. Now, which is fine, but here's where things get really, really tricky. And again, this is all from the Charlotte Ledger, and I still wish they would have put a link out there. In a discussion on on a local station's uh, interview earlier this month, she referred to her airport leadership four times. In a question about transit, she said, I used to ride the train downtown. I ran airports. First of all, it's uptown. I don't, it's uptown. If you live in Charlotte, you have to call it uptown. But she said, I ran airports. In a question about her background, she said, when I was running airports, I was already engaging in philanthropic uh, community 
the faith community and the business community. And then later on, in response to whether she would vote with fellow Democrats, she said, you know, basically on everything and just be a blind voter like so many of them are. She said, quote, I'm an individual. I've run airports. I understand leadership. So there's a lot going on. You heard her say three different times that she's ran airports. Then she went on to say, from my executive experience in the airport industry, Charlotte Douglas International Airport, it was the executive operation manager there. And she went in and talked about what, you know, what she saw. And anything that a customer, a flyer that goes through the airport, those are the things that I manage. Everything a customer saw at the airport, but not only at Charlotte Douglas International Airport, but from, the, but from Florida all the way to New York City and all the airports there. But I still quote the ledger. But is that an accurate description of her experience, which sounds as though it is an airport administration? Did she work for one of the directors of the Charlotte airport since the 1980s? Jerry Orr, Brent Cagle, or Haley Gentry? Well, a response to a question from the ledger, a Charlotte airport spokesperson said Hand has never been an airport employee. Instead, her LinkedIn page says that she basically worked in the world of concessions. And she worked for Marriott International or a subdivision called Host Marriott, which later became HMS Host. And they do the they do the concessions. And she did that at Little Rock Airport in Arkansas and also at operations manager at, at, here at Charlotte Douglas. She also was a regional Starbucks brand champion for airports. I don't even know what brand champion means. I don't know if that's something big or something not, because companies have these titles all the time. You're a brand champion. Okay. All right. Her LinkedIn continues to say that she was responsible for 500 employees in Charlotte and for 45 food and retail brands in the area. But the Marriott, host Marriott company did not reply to their Charlotte Ledger's inquiries. Neither did Hand, whom they contacted by email and phone Friday and Saturday to elaborate on her airport hospitality experience. And all that is, is extreme embellishment. She never ran a single airport. She didn't. I mean, that, that's just a lie. There's no other way to say it. If you want me to be generous and nice, I can say she highly exaggerated and misled the public. And is that a problem for a politician to do? Who's someone who's trying to be a politician? I think she's even a reverend at, at a Methodist church or something of that nature. So I don't know. Are you... Sp- are you supposed to be that misleading? But to say it three times in one sit-down interview that I ran airports. I No, 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 no. You did not run airports. You had nothing to do with baggage claim. You had nothing to do with the flights. You had nothing to do with the pilots. You had nothing to do with the planes. You had nothing to do with any of that other stuff. Nothing. It should be noted that last week I tried to get Stephanie Hand just for an in-studio interview. 
about not about this because this news had not come out yet. I tried to get her in studio like I had Tark Bakari on like on Thursday, and she just didn't respond. I believe I have the right cell phone number. I, I could have the wrong number, but um, but. Assuming that I have the right number for her, she didn't respond. She didn't say yes. She didn't say no. And she also didn't respond to the Charlotte Ledger on Friday or Saturday. So, I don't know. It seems a little odd that you've got someone running for office that is blatantly, you know, exaggerating at the very least what she's done in her past. You, she did not run airports. She did not. Now, did she have an important position at the airports in charge of the food and employees? Was she the one in charge of hiring and firing the all, all the employees, the 500 employees? Did they all work directly for her? So the people at, you know, Chick-fil-A and Sbarro and all them that are there, all the other restaurants that are in the airport, did they specifically work under her? Were they, was she their boss? That's the question that I have. She said she had 500 employees that worked for under under her. I that I mean maybe she did, but I'd still like to know how the employees at Chick Fil A, Stephanie Hannah is responsible for the employees at Chick Fil A or Cinnamon Bun or anything else. All right, so it's just food for thought, just food for thought. All right, when we come back, let's gonna get into my one-on-one interview with Lenore Ship of the CMS School Board. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brent Jensen, going up until 8 o'clock. So yesterday I was out at the polls and went to vote and just did usually go to the place where a lot of candidates go to one of the particular polling places there in South Park. And I ran into Lenore Ship. She's the only person on the CMS school board running for re-election that's available at the at-large space. Uh, Jennifer De La Hara and Elise Dashu have opted not to run. I honestly don't believe they would have been elected anyway. So Ship is out there, and I decided to ask her and you know ask her a couple of things, including about the school bonds, why people should support the school bonds, and also does she actually think she's going to get reelected? The last time we had a school board election, five incumbents law went out, five new people came in. You've got two people who chose not to run for reelection. Odds are they wouldn't have been reelected anyway. You're one of the ones running for re-election at the at-large. Has this one been harder than the previous ones, than the previous time when you ran for school board? Yes, I think it is. Um, But then I had to think back to 2019, and I said it was challenging then. Uh, There were a lot of incumbents, uh, and I shouldn't say incumbent, there were one incumbent at that time, at least. But there was a crowded field then. There were 13 so just think about that. I ran against a total of 13, well, I should say 12 others. So I kind of had a feel for what it could be. I think this is way more challenging uh, because I think people think, oh, we had change last year because it was just last year. Do we need more change? Oh, and I was going to ask about that. Has that been the thing that you're hearing the most is like, you know, because 
but the school board took a big hit, you know, publicly and from, from a PR standpoint for a long time, you know, whether it was over the COVID stuff or whether it was over the Myers Park situations. And, you know, because the school board took a big hit, have you found it more difficult from that aspect because people did want change the last time? No, I think one thing that they're seeing now is we need to stabilize, that we need continuity. We need consistency of, and fidelity of operations. We need sustainability. And I think they're seeing now with the new superintendent, we need to now get on a steady track forward. And I don't think we need to continue change because change for the sake of change is not good. I think change needs to be the kind of change that's going to help us move our students forward, help us ensure that they have bright futures. And I think right now we need people who are knowledgeable. I have a historical knowledge. I have institutional knowledge. And I have on the ground real work knowledge. And now I've been on the board for well, almost four years. So I really know what it looks like. I got to see two boards. I'm the only one that's been between two different boards now that's running. So I think I can adequately and effectively say what it looks like, what it is, and what we're doing, and how this um, season is time to get focused on the work and keep it going. I think change for the sake of change is not good. I know we're going to bring on two new at least. You know, I'm hopeful. I, you know, I'll get back. But at the same time, we we need to stabilize. What's the biggest challenge facing, this is a two-part question, biggest challenge facing the upcoming school board? And also, what's the biggest challenge going forward over the next couple of years facing CMS? I think the biggest challenge is, of course, we all want to see academic performance increase. I think the biggest challenge is getting our goals and guardrails right. I think we're on the track to do that. Uh, we've just done some good things with our goals and guardrails. I think listening to the community, hearing their voices, being transparent. Uh, I think developing those relationships that I think we're doing with the county, with the city, and with our parents and our, all our stakeholders. I think that's a big challenge. I think it always has been. But I see us moving in that direction. Uh, but number one is academics and, of course, safety. To me, you hear me say academics, but you can do nothing if people don't feel safe and kids don't feel safe. Uh, so I think we're, our challenge right now is to stabilize this uh, feeling of being unsafe in schools, to do everything we can to ensure that we're looking at uh, our crisis plans, we're looking at school-wide discipline plans. We're doing a much better job with how we work with our students in terms of expectations for behavior. Uh, and then, so that's a big challenge. I think our next challenge, as you've seen, is we did a little bit already with the South County Student Assignment Plan. So I think really looking at, for me, in the next four years, I would like to see us make all schools good schools. That we, And then the ones that are good, we go from good to great. So I think we got to stabilize it where we see that Every school is really moving the needle with student achievement. And people say, what's the difference between equity and equality? We got to have equality. We got to have equity. I think diversity and inclusiveness is important. And just bringing all that together, because number one, it's not just where you go to school. It's what happens when you get there. And I truly believe we need to ensure that what happens when students come to school is meeting their needs and ensuring they have a bright future. The school bonds. Wouldn't couldn't have CMS just gone with 1.5 billion? 
you know, there was a lot of talk from the county commissioners that it could have been just a billion, 1.5 billion. That probably would have sailed easily. It's still probably going to pass, but by all accounts, property taxes are going to go up about 6%. Did it, did the CMS really need the 2.5 billion? Yes, we did. Because when we, in 2017, and I was around, and I've been a principal who saw how bond money imp- impacted schools. I opened two new or replacement schools during my time as a principal. And I remember thinking it cost about $11.3 million to open one of the schools that I was happy to see open. And today it's $52 million for an elementary school. So, yes, due to inflation and due to cost and what we saw after COVID in terms of uh, demand on supplies, um, yes, because we didn't have enough. I don't know if you knew that to finish the projects we had in 2017 and we had to ask for more money to finish. So yes, you're talking about five, six years later and we don't need more money and inflation being what it is and we want to finish. We're talking about 30, probably 35 projects. We went from 25 needs to 42 or 45 and we got it to 30 and maybe 35 with design phase. Yes. It's a big ax. It definitely is. And I'm a taxpayer. I've always been a taxpayer. and But I believe the investment is worth it for not just our schools, but for our city, our community. Because people look at schools when they're moving into this, moving into Charlotte, right? Moving into the city. They look at what kind of schools you have. So we need schools that are safe, schools that are healthy, and schools that are state-of-the-art. Because that impacts how families decide to even the only, the biggest argument that you always hear against it is that it's unfair to the older community, the retirement community, and unfair to the privileged community who maybe can't afford the 6% increase or older people who are retired and living on a fixed income. That's always the big argument that you hear against the school bonds. And there is um, homeowner uh, plans and funding out there. I know a lot of times people say, well, I didn't know about it all. Can we get it? Yeah, we may need to help people get there, get that funding that need it, especially our older communities and our families that are in those situations where they're going to need some support. But that's available. And I think we found that there people don't know and they're not taking advantage of it now. So I think we're going to have to work hard to ensure that those that need the support and the help, that we help them get what they need. But I think at the end of the day, how could we not invest in our children? How could we not invest in our schools and our communities? And we're looking at our minority women in small business industries, and we're putting money there. And they're investing. We are making sure that they are getting the business. And that impacts our entire economy. So I think there's a lot to be said for these bonds. Last thing here with Lenore Shipp. Anything you want to say, I'll leave you and give you the open floor. 30, 45 seconds. Anything that I didn't ask you about? Anything that you want to say that I didn't ask you about? Vote the ship. All aboard the ship. It's going to take all hands on deck. We're going to set sails for success for all our children. And I really believe I have the broad-based knowledge. Um, the I have done the work. And I understand governance like never before, having been there. And I'm looking forward to coming back to help us make a way forward for every child, not just some, but for all, because we know some are doing well. And there's 
history of the good work we're doing. And I want to see us be a premier school district. Again, I'm a West Charlotte grad. My daughter's a Myers Bar grad who is today a medical student. She is an MD today. So I know what we can do in CMS. And that's why I continue this work. So that is CMS school board member Lenore Ship, the only person that's an incumbent running for re-election. And it's going to be a tall order. There's 14 people on the ballot, and usually that means a lot of the votes are going to get spread very thin. And we're going to have election coverage for you here on Tuesday night during my show. Bo and Beth and Joel Ford and Kenny Smith will be in studio. Mark Garrison will be here. Jeff Atkinson will be here. I'll be out in the field going to different uh, election parties, as will Scott Hamilton. So that begins next Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am Brett Jensen. Got about 20 more minutes or so here on the show. We just finished an interview with Lenore Ship. She's the CMS, uh, the only incumbent CMS school board member. She's an at-large school board member, and she's the only one running for re-election. And there's 14 people running for election, and I had three of them in here, the unity slate. Claire Covington, Annette Albright, and Michael Johnson, they were all in here. And we talked about a lot of different things. And apparently a lot of people heard that and really liked that interview. So I appreciate any, everyone listening. And if you uh, missed any part of that, you can just go to the WBT website. I don't know why they call it the podcast. I've argued against this. But if you go in the, quote, podcast section, you can go to any of the shows and see all the past shows in their entirety. Or And like what I like to do is have pull-out interviews, special interviews. But I don't. And for the life of me, I don't know why they call it a podcast, because it's not. Um, it's an actual radio show, but, you know, what do I know? Anyways, apparently not a lot. Um, uh, let's go to the phones, and we bring in uh, Matt and Charlotte. Thanks for calling, Matt. I appreciate it, bud. Brett, great to talk to you again, man. You uh, definitely got your finger on the pulse of Charlotte. You do the digging that's necessary, and you give us the information we need. Um, your last guest sounds, you know, like an intelligent woman, she she has experience. Uh, I, I just want to share my experience as to what I've seen with the education system in the United States. Um, right around 2008, uh, George Bush passed a, some kind of policy about uh, no child left behind, and I was engaged to a girl who was a recent graduate of University of Scranton with a degree in education. She joined a uh, program called uh, Teach for America, and what they do is they take, and she graduated Magdalene Kulati. She she was a, you know, really good student, and, you know, they had good expectations for her. So, where did they send us, of all places? Estill, South Carolina. Uh, they sent people they thought would be exceptional teachers to places that needed exceptional teachers. And I'm an auto body technician, and she's obviously a teacher. So I'd get home about a half hour, 45 minutes after her, and she'd be sitting at the kitchen table with papers sprawled all over the table, crying, 
And I'd say, what's wrong? And she'd, she'd say, I, I just, I give up. I give up. And I'm like, well, what's wrong? She goes, I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach reconstruction to these kids that don't understand what the Civil War is. How do I do that? And I said, well, you got to back them up and you got to teach them about, you know, back them up so that they have the foundation. Just like baseball, keep the ball in front of you, keep your eye on the ball, that kind of stuff. If you don't know that, none of the rest of it really matters. Well, I said, why don't you just tell your, you know, tell your boss, tell the principal or whoever's, you know, in charge of the curriculum, you need to back this up and teach the kids what they need to know. And she goes, no, because every time I say that to them, they say, teach to the test. Because the test the state's giving or the federal government, I'm not sure who was given the test, but the test they're giving at that particular moment in time, the only thing that matters about the funding that went to that school was how they did on that test. So all they had to know was answers about Reconstruction. They didn't have to understand what it meant. They didn't have to know where it came from. They just had to have the right answer. And she so, was Matt, what's, 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 let's get to the crux of this. What's, what's, what's this about? I think they just need, in, in, instead of throwing money at the problem, because at one point in time, I think Detroit Inner City School was one of the highest per capita, you know, they spent more money per student than any school district in the United States, and it was one of the most failing. Throwing money at it, I don't believe, is the answer. I think teaching the kids the fundamentals and the foundations that they need to know is the answer. Hey, it's always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for calling, buddy. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Um, CMS has the issue that they don't have enough teachers, and they will quickly tell you and quick be will will be quick to remind you that it's not just a CMS problem; that's a national problem. Um, how bad it is compared to the rest of the United States or other places like, say, Wake County or you know Nashville. New Orleans, Baltimore, Minnesota, uh, not Nashville, but like Baltimore, New Orleans, Memphis, Minnesota, Atlanta, um, very high minority school districts. Because, I mean, people forget there's 142,000 students. 66% of them are black and brown. Um, Even though blacks only make up 30% of, I believe, the voters in Mecklenburg County. So... But anyways, so that's they're short teachers, and the curriculum is all over the place. There is little doubt that the previous administration tried to incorporate CRT into the classrooms, and you know decided that you shouldn't learn the past, and if you did learn the past, it needed to be rearranged to fit narratives in terms of history. So uh, there's a lot of issues. And then you've got, was it 13% of black kids, black boys could read, I think it was 13%, something like that, 15% could read at an actual third grade level. So there, it, it begins in kindergarten because if you've got, if they're there by the fifth grade and they can't read, you pretty much have already lost them unless something miraculous happens and you can take an extreme amount of time of one-on-one. But a lot of these kids don't have home lives. They got no one there to make sure they're doing their homework at the kitchen table or in the living room 
or anything like that. They're living with grandma. They're living with their aunts. They're living with their cousins. They're living with eight people in one roof, in one one house, one apartment. It's the home life is non-existent. So instead of being at home, where there might not be any food, you got zero supervision. I mean, again, what's a seventy-five-year-old woman or an eighty-year-old grandmother going to do to prevent a fourteen-year-old from going on the streets? Absolutely nothing. Because you know. Mom and dad are nowhere to be seen or found. That's why they're living with grandma or the aunts or the cousins. So it's this school district truly needs to be broken up like no other. Truly needs to be broken up. Well, Wake County's bigger. Yeah, Wake County's not having these issues. Wake County doesn't have the issues that CMS does. CMS truly needs to be broken up. And all the people in the North will tell you that, and all the people in the South will tell you that in Mecklenburg County. You could easily have three districts in one, and maybe the students would actually get better service, better schooling, because you have so many people that refuse to send their kids to CMS. They either send them to private school, or they have like a fake apartment in Belmont, or in Union County, or in Fort Mill, or Lancaster and send their kids over there, even though they're really living in Charlotte, they send their kids to schools outside of CMS because they want, or the Magnet charge, they want no part of CMS. 0.0 CMS, and all you got to do is look at the demographics for that. CMS is not safe. It hasn't been safe in a few years. Was it two years ago, 30 guns and what, over 4,000 fights? Or 6,000 fights? Something like that? Over 400 staff members were assaulted by students? I mean, CMS is just too big. They can't handle it. The front, the the central office, way before I started covering CMS, has been in complete disarray. School board has failed after school board has failed after school board has failed. No matter who's elected, the school board fails. Has. It failed miserably during the pandemic. And a lot of people believe that Elise Stashie will go down as the worst school board chair in the history of CMS. A lot of people firmly believe that because there's not a lot of feathers there in that, in that hat. Not a lot of feathers there. Not a lot of things to crow about with the things that happened under that previous school board. So, I don't know. I mean, honestly, at this point, the only way to fix this might be to break it up because it's just... The same old song, you know, you know, the old, uh, the definition of insanity. Doing the exact same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And doesn't matter who the superintendent is, doesn't matter who the school board is. CMS has been a, has just not been a good school district in probably 10 years. And break it up. Now, the people at central office don't want to lose their power and they don't want to lose their salaries. I can tell you that. They wouldn't be all for it because of the kids. They would be all against it because of themselves and their own salaries and what it means for them. That's why they'd be against it. They don't want to lose their power. They don't want to lose their power. All right. When we come back, we'll continue this all, maybe take a couple more phone calls, and then I... I forgot it was Halloween this morning, and I forgot it was Halloween driving here, and I actually saw a couple of cool costumes in some neighborhoods, and 
maybe the coolest Halloween costume I've ever seen in my entire life. And we'll talk about that when we come back. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Welcome back to News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here on Breaking with Brett Jensen. Going up until, oh, just about 8 o'clock tonight. So we've got about three and a half minutes to go. So I, I told Bo and Beth this morning that I forgot that it was Halloween this morning when I was in here dealing with all them, and they had all the candy in here, and we, did, we talked about all that type of stuff. And then coming here, I have to cut back ways. I cut through neighborhoods to get here, or at least to get to the first set of roads that I need to go to. And there were all these kids trick-or-treating, and this would have been at 645, right? Right when the sun's going down and everything like that. And I saw a costume that I have never seen before, and it's a costume we all know. We've all known it since the time we are two years old. We recognize it. And I had never seen it before for Halloween. And it makes all the sense in the world if you actually think about it. And the kid was probably 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. No, probably about 12. Walking down with a whole bunch of other groups. Kid was dressed as Santa Claus. Why does it make sense? He has a satchel and he just put his bags, his candy in it. And now he didn't have the beard, but he had everything else. And I went, I'll be damned. I have never seen a Santa Claus dressed up. We all know Santa Claus is there at the end of the Thanksgiving Day parades and all that stuff. Macy's Day parades and Charlotte and everything else. But I had never seen a kid dressed as Santa Claus on Halloween before, ever. Yeah, that's clever because, you know, obviously, like you said, you got the sack to carry your stuff in, part of the costume, and it works because, uh, you know, Santa's known for coming house to house, taking some sweets from people. So it uh, works for Halloween here. Explains the belly a little bit. I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, I, I like just, it. I was just like, that's a great costume. I had never seen that. And, and then, it's, it's new. It like, is. It's, I, it's I, an like alter. Said, I've, like, never, I've never seen it. I'd there's never, been 100,000 like, Batmans. Yeah. Well, right. And, of course, everyone, all the adults want to go as Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and that unwatchable show that just it gives me the creeps. It sketches me out, skeeves me out that uh, what used to be Regis and Kelly Ripa, now it's Kelly and her husband, whatever that's called. And it is like they were like every costume they had on this morning because it was on during with me and Bo and Beth. And they're trying to show as much skin as humanly possible. Going, oh look at us, we work out. We, mm-hmm. you know, first they were Ken and Barbie, and then they were Taylor and Kelsey, and then later on, like he didn't even have his shirt on. And I'm like, uh, okay, like what are we doing? Apparently, uh, Brett Winterbull showed me this earlier, and I kind of wish he hadn't. But I, I, overall, I'm glad he did. Woody Page, uh, yeah. journalist out of I think Denver, Denver, he's um, but on around the horn um, yeah. today, show on ESPN. Um, he dressed up as Taylor Swift, and that I can that, uh, that one I prefer. I mean, I'm was, just glad he didn't try and take his shirt off because he is 87 years old. Yeah, the makeup was a, a little disturbing, but we like all right. It. So I saw um, I saw Dorothy out there. I thought that was a really good costume today, and I saw a couple other really good costumes. And 
Um, so, yeah, really good stuff. Totally forgot that it was Halloween. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, look at all these people walking through the neighborhood. Like, how much longer is it going to take me to get here to work today? But some really great stuff. All right, look forward to doing this all over again tomorrow. i got some really big news coming tomorrow as well. So, guys, make sure you stick around and join me.